the end of the day, it's just it it bugged me a little. Yeah, yeah. As, as I say, like he's, he's not supposed to have done it. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah, he's been picking. If, like, if Brian Cranston was there, he'd straight away be like, uh, <laughs> "That's not right." After yeah. he got his legs out, yeah, that, yeah, that's illegal. Look at my legs. See you later. But, um, yeah. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> but yeah, it, just, it was just that moment of hang on, she hasn't used magic. Yeah. Also means he's genuinely spying on Sabrina. Yeah. Like yeah. watching, watching her. Yeah. Also. With how we know that the witches regard rules and everything, and being that, as I say, he's in breach of them, might lose his job. He may lose his yeah. job. And yeah. dental, man. And his, oh. de- and his dental. Oh, it's Jesus. Shit. Just got those teeth fixed. It's all going to go to wreck and ruin now. Do you reckon it'll get equalised? He loses his job, so in return, they just pull all his teeth out. <laughs> <laughs> we gave you these, we're taking them back. And welcome to Sabrina the Teenage Watch, the podcast where three viscous and vengeful valentines review all 163 episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Love is in the air, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, as it is Valentine's Day up in here and in Westbridge. So please allow me, Phil Dean, to to romantically swoon you and carry you through this wonderful trip down Nostalgia Lane. And I'm joined by two men I love dearly and are throwing up in their mouths. It's my friends. First of all, Mr. Graham Alley. Hello, Graham. Hi, Phil. I love you, man. How are you? I love you too. I'm good. Um, You mentioned it being Valentine's Day. This is a rare case in which we are actually recording this episode in the month in which it is set. It is, Valentine's Day has passed us by, thank God. God in <laughs> here in the real world, but um, yeah, uh, it's sort of something which has been on, on the mind in recent times. So um, you know, didn't feel wrong watching this episode in the way it has felt watching Christmas episodes. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> no, in, we're only uh, ten. Da- the date of recording, we're only uh, ten days removed from Valentine's That's Day. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, and the other gentleman to my uh, side this time, he's at the front and to the right of me, another gentleman I love dearly. It's Mr. Chris Evans. Hello, Chris. Oh yeah. I love you, man. How are you doing? I love you too, Phil. Thank you. Graham, I love you also. I love you too. I equally love everybody in this room. You are an equaliser for love, aren't you? Oh, the, the love you give, baby. the love you get back. Yeah. <laughs> okay, just as things... <laughs> I don't know whether things are getting steamy or awkward. But, uh, <laughs> this is episode 17. We're talking about the equaliser. It's all about love... Uh, well, it turns into love because it's set on Valentine's Day and Sabrina learns that uh, sometimes there is a literal price that comes with casting her magic so things that she gets, things have to be taken away and it just so happens to fall on the, the uh, loveliest, soppiest day of the year. Karma is real in the witching world. It absolutely is. It material yeah. materialises in this yeah. uh, other realm. Uh, but boys, did we, did we enjoy this episode? Yeah, I really did actually. Um, it sort of combined the right amount of the school, you know, drama and the interpersonal relationships, which we so love, and the magical concepts, which we also love, but not when they're allowed to run riot and just dominate everything. Yes. Yeah. So they, it, was, it was measured, this episode. It was gauged um, very nicely. It was equalised. Hey. Hey. That's good. And something that I said in our last episode, about, uh, when I was uh, teasing this one, is that uh, it's another episode where uh, Sabrina was learning the, the ways of her magic and how to, to craft her magic and to use her spells more effectively. So, Chris, did you enjoy this this educational uh, episode for Sabrina? You know what? It was... It was I'd categorise... Categorise? I would... Fun fact, this is the second time in the podcast's run that you've struggled to say the word categorise. <laughs> oh, <is> it? <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, I would categorise... Oh, I, I would play... I would say that this episode was smooth. Mm. It was smooth in its delivery, and it was also smooth in its little implementation of little zany aspects, if that makes sense. Yep. It wasn't so in your face. It just sort of there in the background, mm-hmm. which... and. Each little detail I did quite enjoy as well. Yeah, yeah. and we've got a few returning cast members. We've got a Roland the Troll, Mr. Phil Von Darker making a return. Uh, Roland has changed careers now. He is an equaliser. He's not no longer a finder. And we also get a very funny uh, return of uh, Patrick Thomas O'Brien yes. as well as our Cupid makes return. 
And also, right at the end, we get Thunberlina played by, I think, the same actress who played a shrunken down Hilda. Yes, I believe so, yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't remember her name off the top of my head now, but also Ken. Let's let's Ooh. just get to Ken. We'll get yeah. to Ken. The less, se- the less we'll... said of Ken, the better. We'll, we'll get to Ken. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um... Mm. Although yeah, th- we'll, we'll get to Ken. We'll get to Ken. <laughs> Although this episode was very good and very fun, with the exception of Harvey, who is sweet as ever, all the men in this episode are fucking creeps. They are. They are fucking creeps. Or oh, sp- particularly Ken. Particularly but we'll, we'll get Ken. there. We'll <laughs> get to Ken. We'll get to Ken. <laughs> oh, man. All the others have had good, funny moments, which will allow us to sort of... Forgive them and see see them as rounded characters that aren't just creeps. Ken, hundred percent wall to wall creep. <laughs> and unfortunately, uh, yeah, Ken appears in my second sentence. Uh, so without further ado, are we ready to uh, to start this episode? To, to, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Ooh, oh, baby. Let's fire a bow. Whoa. Not Valhalla though. Not that kind of bow. <laughs> Valhalla. <laughs> Valhalla. In case you waited out, because this is the second time in two episodes we've referenced Valhalla. Um, Yeah, if you've not already, do listen to our Baywatch Nights episode. Um, It features uh, David Hasselhoff firing a bow, shouting (laughs) Valentine's! (laughs) He shouts Valhalla and uh, sort of conducts a Viking burial. Yeah, very, very strange. That's our Baywatch Nights episode, our extra credit one. Uh, But yeah, no, let's crack with this one, because it is Valentine's Day. So it's Valentine's Day, and... Val and Sabs are out shopping for dresses to wear at the dance, which is happening on Friday night. Some lad called Ken, who apparently fancies Val, sexually assaults a mannequin. Two things. Okay. <laughs> Two things. Number one, fucking he's 35. He is, he is old as balls. <laughs> but... Since Valerie's all-time crush is Drew Carey, I'm sure she doesn't care that this teenager is prematurely aged. (laughs) (laughs) Second thing. Right? Girls shopping in a dress shop. He has literally no reason to go in there. He serves no purpose other other than for them to go... Look, there's Ken. Molesting a mannequin. <laughs> yeah. Well, he does, they just say, oh, I'd love to be that mannequin, they said. <laughs> how, how I could really do with being that mannequin with Ken's hands around me. I don't know what he does. He just say, hey, Ken. And he goes, hey, Val. And then just picks up the mannequin and kind of just shakes it. He's <laughs> <laughs> so weird. And he's not, he's, he's, not, he's not supposed to be. The other weird men in this episode are supposed to be weird. Yeah. yeah. Ken is supposed to be... A love interest. A love heart interest. Throb. Your genuine heartthrob. I don't think we'll see him again. I hope we don't see him again. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ken, but Ken is easily the weirdest of the, of the three. Bear in mind one of them is a troll. <laughs> the other is Cupid. <laughs> and the other is Willard Craft. And Ken is still the weirdest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Fucking hell, Ken, man. Let's get it out of the way. We might as well introduce him. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ken, has he got three names? Please Ken, no, he's, he's not. Ken is played by Sean Lafton. Oh, right. Oh, well, there's nothing Lofton, fucking funny Lofton. about his performance. Uh, interesting fact, uh, he only has six acting credits. I'm not surprised. Five of which are in Sabrina. <laughs> oh, God, as, no. As Ken. Yeah. No, Ken's in it once. He plays a fireman once. Like Josh a... from work experience, to be precise, if you remember him from oh, Troll Oh, is it him again? Oh, yeah. Right. And three times as a police officer, and we've already seen him once. So this is the third, three times out of five we've seen him so far. Well, it's interesting um, that he played that fireman, because we said he was too young for Hilda. Yes. But at the same time, he didn't look like an adult, just a very young one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's sort of, he's too young for Hilda, and too old for... Um... For a teenager. <laughs> for a teenager. He's very, yeah, very, much, very much stuck between the right ages to be love interests for either the... The ants or the teenagers. Yeah, yeah. They, that was poor casting there. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was. Yeah, we called him Josh from work experience for the firemen. But he was. Uh, yeah, he rescued Salem out of a tree yeah. and held uh, baked him a cake. So wait. So that's three. What is the other two? Well, well. Or are so, they a surprise? So in this episode, he's Ken. Yeah. Um, he was. Yeah. The fireman. He was the arresting officer in Trial by Fury. You know who got interviewed about um, Sabrina's algebra teacher speeding. Oh, yeah. So he was the one who gave him a speeding ticket. Um, and then he just plays a police officer twice uh, over the next two seasons. Oh, sorry, this season and the next. Clearly, somebody they, they knew who they could come in to, to, to do a job, but they didn't do him any favours with giving him this uh, this role. <laughs> no, I, I think it Ken. was one of those moments where it was like, ah, shit, who do we know? 
Ah, oh, Josh from work experience, he'll do the trick. Who do we know has got a can-do attitude? Ah, <laughs> oh. oh, fuck me, Phil. Get it out of the way. But I've a- got a can-ew attitude. <laughs> can bit- we just not do this? <laughs> can we just stop, please? <laughs> can-, can we move on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a bunch of Kents we are. <laughs> Val finds a dress, but it's a bit pricey, so Sabrina magics a 20% off label onto it. However, doing that, it seems to have put a price on her life, because a literal 20% has come off an outfit of hers. So every time she uses magic for her self-gain, I guess, 20% of uh, this 20% off dress comes off a jumper of hers, a a favourite jumper. Chris, you've got a problem with the label, haven't you? Yeah, the ins and outs of it are basically that it's a big fuck-off yellow bastard label that they just goes, Sabrina just goes, Hey Valerie, look, you missed this giant big label saying 20% off. Yeah, and and they say, oh, it must be a President's Day special. Um, I guess the other dresses are all Canadian, (laughs) I guess. Yeah, jab at Canada. Yeah, jab at Canada, you don't get your dresses reduced on President's Day. Apparently. No. Maybe. Maybe. They could yeah, could have been a more subtle label. Could have been like in the dress, maybe. Yeah. Like, oh look. Ah. Yeah. Not just here's a big dock off uh, dock label off onto a dress. Uh, but it is quite good knowing that witches can't just get things cheaper or for free. They can't literally just magic stuff up. Well we really. knew this anyway, because it's knockoff stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, hey you over there. But in terms of they can't just go, oh I really like that dress, ding there we go, it's at home. Mm. I guess it, it's good that they do have a uh, some like moral coding, haven't they? Like they can't just use their magic for, like to, to steal stuff, I guess. Yeah, it made it made sense because they could they could just go nuts, couldn't they? They could have mm-hmm. literally anything they wanted. Which is, I mean, the ones from the other realm do seem very stuck up and certainly very sort of prejudiced against mortals. But yeah, you could just have absolutely everything you want, and they would just not understand the notion of having having to work for anything mm-hmm. or not, you know, getting everything you want right away. They would basically all be Donald Trump. It yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of a fucking idiot, uh, <sighs> the titles roll. I don't fucking know. A <laughs> sort of a redneck Flintstone hybrid. Yeah. What is she supposed to be? Because I mean, you've she just got... goes, "Do you like my wedding dress?" So you, yeah, you've got you've got the um, racist southern accent, um, and you've got she's got missing teeth, and you know she's got has she got like a, a denim skirt or something yeah. on. Ah, no, and no. it was like a. Sp- I don't, I don't know. know. I can't remember. The, I think the, the, I wiped top, it from my mind. The top was like a green, a green. Like I said, like Flintstoney because yeah. it was all yeah. frayed and yeah. yeah the top the, the hair was f- fucking manic. So is she, <clears throat> is she a hillbilly or is she a cavewoman? We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> if she's a hillbilly, as Chris pointed out while we were watching, why wasn't it at the start of Witch Trash? Mm-hmm. If she's a cave woman, why is she talking like, oh, <laughs> fuck off? <laughs> we don't know. If she was a cave woman, this, this is what it was like. Uga-ba-na-na! That's what it should have been. <laughs> it absolutely should. <laughs> I, I even campaigned that it should have just been you. <laughs> so Sabrina opens her mouth and you go, Uga-ba-na. <laughs> we, we, we've written better uh, opening, uh, better mirror gags. Fish henge! Fuck! Fish henge! And my personal favourite, it's a witchy business. Yeah. Or I'm a young woman. Yeah. They're all they're all better than uh, than most of the ones we actually get. Yeah, so we don't know what the fuck that's all about, but uh, yeah. So just just to clarify, completely not relevant nor a fact. Yeah. Or and very, very confusing as to what it even is. <laughs> she should have she should have just been herself, but looking really like shaking like Look out for Ken. <laughs> Beware of Ken. Do you reckon he has a smooth area? <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Yeah, he's got no crotch. He's like yeah. a, a smooth off Kendall. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Thank well, fuck, he's not going to procreate then. No, oh, well, no. We, get, we get more of Ken later on, unfortunately. We didn't ask for it. No. Uh, Sabrina is in a bedroom looking for her favourite red sweater. And she finds it, but it's got roughly 20% of it missing. She heads downstairs where Hilda and Zelda tell her that they'll be chaperoning the school dance on Friday. Oh, why don't you just zap a big nerd girl sign around my neck? And with that... They do. She should know by now. Yes. <laughs> what if she says, yeah, whatever. Uh, and you commended the font, didn't you, Graham? You enjoyed that. Yeah, font. I thought it was quite, 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 quite a, uh, quite a playful sort of font. It was very much a, a font which reminds you of somebody pointing and um, insulting somebody in in the school style, like nerd girl. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like it was bubbly, bubbly, yeah, bubbly, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So she got this bubbly nerd girl sign. Uh, Mr. Craft arrives at the door and goes, Why? Oh. Why the fuck is he making house well, calls again? Well, he's come because he's come to drop off the instructions for chaperoning at the school dance. So that's why he's round to give Hilda and Zelda some instructions. Email's not yet widespread. No, We're still in 1998. I, I was going to go with the post. We know there is a mailman. But maybe he's taking some time off because he's like, my dick don't work. <laughs> I'm taking time off. Yeah, he's, 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 he may be very, very ill. He, <laughs> yeah. From the radiation. radiation. Yeah. yeah. So, uh... <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> um, and he comes in and goes, oh, Sabrina, you dropped your nerd girl sign. Yeah. So I like how it didn't just disappear. It's, yeah. it's still there. Funny. Um, so Mr. Kraft comes into the uh, the house to drop off the rules for the dance, uh, which include uh, no racketeering. That's the only yes. uh, sort yeah. of rule. Uh, well, everyone knows... Definitely, that Al Capone turns up at every high school dance. Oh yeah! So um, if you just... look in, if you look in a mirror and say Al Capone three times, I tell you what though, Al Capone Valentine's Day connection there. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. massacre. Ah, <laughs> fuck. Yeah. Shit. Well, that's fucking dark. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he drops off some reels for the dance. Uh, oh, and to ask Hilda if uh, she would dance with him on that night, particularly to a slow dance. She pushes him out and demands that Zelda get them both dates for the dance or kill her, whichever comes easier. So we got to get to see her struggle but, uh, through this episode of Hilda and Zelda trying to get dates for the dance. At the slice screen, it turns out that Mrs. Papowski wasn't killed in that fire that... Uh, that Valerie started a few episodes back and she's doing some expert extra-ing behind the action. She also still calls Sabrina Salinas. Yes. Which I did enjoy. There's nice a lot continuity. Of, a lot of continuity, a lot of callbacks in this episode. Obviously that's only, that's not too long ago. Yeah. Obviously with some returning characters from earlier in the season and from mm-hmm. season one as well we get some really good continuity in this but episode. I did enjoy the Salinas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she makes a funny remark about uh, Harvey's poor tipping. She's yes. like, mm, don't have to sweat the rent this week. <laughs> I'll call the mister. We're having steak tonight. <laughs> uh, Val pops over and says that she needs more money for the pinball machine to stop Ken leaving. However, she should have just let him leave. Yeah. Because he's there. Uh, he's he's know, pulling the knobs and the, the doodads on the yeah, pinball pushing machine. Pushing the buttons. Yeah. We, and we know, we, we know this guy is not a high school student. He's posing as one. He's been through several jobs. He's been a firefighter, lost that job. Mm. been a police officer, lost that job. Now... What? He's a professional molester. Now he's a professional molester. Maybe. Going undercover as a high school student. Yeah. No, maybe that's what it is. He's gone undercover as a high school student to uncover a, a large drug ring that is happening. Maybe. Uh, within Westbridge. And maybe maybe, maybe we're being a bit hard on old Kenny then. Maybe his... Well, not really, because his next sentence. Yeah, he goes... He takes his jacket off, he swings it round his arm a bit and goes, We'll sadly have to postpone my victory dance. Maybe he's... <laughs> Unsure, maybe he's nervous. This young cop being put in this this you know difficult sting to expose this racket based around um, high, Al Capone, high, <laughs> Al Capone, high school dances, and um, you know the reincarnated um, corpse of Al Capone uh, racketeering these high school dances. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe he's not quite himself because he, he's on edge. Yeah, but yeah, but he puts us all on edge through this entire episode because. Yeah. We don't know what shit he's going to pull every time he pops up. You'd want to be inconspicuous if you were in his position, and he very much isn't. Yeah. 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 We'll see that in the cafeteria a little bit later. We're in school, and Sab's got to find her algebra book, and who should pop up with it in his hands? Roland the Troll. He's not in the finding game these days. He's changed careers. He's now an equaliser. He says, you take from someone, I take from you. It evens things out in the universe. Karma! Yeah, indeed, and that's what, that's what we said in the last episode, that it's kind of materialising actual physical representation of karma, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah in, in a monetary way, anyway. Yeah. But, uh, no, it's nice to know that Sabrina is now aware that I can't just zap anything willy-nilly. There's someone there who is keeping tabs on, on Sabs. So Roland is here just to, again, to even things out in the universe with his equalisation. Oh, he comes with good dental, he says, and shows yes. us his, uh, his good set of gnashes. Yeah, dental plan! <laughs> yeah. So it seems that maybe people in the finding industry... Um, they don't get dental, they bad teeth. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Probably finding, because that's, that's, it's kind of group work, isn't it? You know, yeah. you have to go to places and physically, you know, sort of root out, you know, these sort of uh, mislaid objects. Whereas, um, you know, it seems like it's a bit more of a, bit more of an admin job, a bit sort of, mm. yeah, a bit, bit sort of safer, probably a bit higher grade. So yeah, I'm not surprised he gets better uh, in work benefits. Yeah. 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 But quick question though, 
If you lose a tooth and you're a finder, shouldn't you just be able to find the tooth? Yeah, but you can't reapply it, can you? Yeah. Just, um... Here it is. <laughs> Great, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> I, 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 can, I can see what I've lost. You know? <laughs> oh, what's that? I found Ken's mind. <laughs> Sound mentally. <laughs> found Ken's genitals. <laughs> Roland tells her that all the things he's taken in exchange of her magic. And to make matters worse, Mr. Kraft comes in and he gets a kick in the shins. Uh, Sabrina introduces him as uh, her cousin, and he sort of, I guess, um, sort of bends down a little bit. Cond- What's the word? Condescending. Condescending. Patronising. Yeah, patronising. Yeah. yeah. So he patronises him by saying, "Oh, you need to sign in at the office." Oh, is this your new boyfriend? And just kicks him in the shins. Which is again another bit of consistency of Roland. Every mortal he meets in being very argumentative, particularly he clashed with Mister Pool when mm-hmm. he first showed up. He doesn't like these sort of authority figures, which he doesn't recognise the authority of. Yes. Um, sort of telling him what to do and being condescending towards him. Yeah, and and more sort of ca- uh, consistency sort of comes now because uh, Harvey pops in into the corridor. And uh, yeah, and we get that recurring sort of farm boy. Oh, look, it's farm boy. And uh, Harvey says, uh, "Oh, uh, Serena, is this is this your aunt's friend that I met briefly last year?" If that's what I said, he is. Yes, it's <laughs> <laughs> a very good one. Which is very good. So yeah. keep on top of your lies, subs. Roland sticks his equaliser nose in yet again, and just as Harvey is about to ask uh, Sabrina out to the dance. Roland's magic kicks in and he says that he's got to go to a termite convention. Father-son termite convention. Yeah, a father-son termite convention. And we've not had much mention of Harvey's dad's job for a while, so in a way that's a bit of character consistency. Yeah, because it occurred in the, uh, well, in the Troll Bride episode. Yes, so yes. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. So a lot of consistency is coming from directly that episode. I love how, because Harvey is sweet and because Roland is just such a strange apparition and in calling him Farm Boy makes so little sense, I love how nonplussed he is. <laughs> yeah. Like Roland's trying to start a fight and Harvey's just, just bemused. <laughs> yeah, because he keeps saying like, Farm Boy, oh, do you want to go to the dance? And he's like... Yeah, uh, Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah, whatever, whatever. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, how 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 would you react to that? <laughs> you know, okay. <laughs> Cheers. Don't, don't live on a farm, but okay. No, thanks, man. Uh, back home, and Hilda and Zelda have reached the end of their little black book, and still no date. Sabrina says she doesn't anymore because she's being equalised. What was the three things that Hilda and Zelda said? It was like. Oh, we've, um, got to, we've got to Zed and everyone's... Either married, busy, or disgusting. Or all three. <laughs> yeah. Ken. Yeah. Or yeah, Ken's, Ken's available. Ken's but... pro- no, Ken's probably got a wife. <laughs> yeah, but Ken... And kids. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sab says she didn't steal things out of malice, but Zelda says it was still wrong. Hilda then says that she took Belgium for Napoleon. And that was a big mistake, she says. Hasn't... Isn't that consistency too? I mean, it's consistency of Hilda's character that she'd side with Napoleon, much like she sided with the Confederacy. Um, yeah. But hasn't she mentioned working with Napoleon in the past? Yes, she has. They're, she has. They were, they were together, were they not? Uh, possibly, yeah. Difficult to tell when someone's been alive 600 years <laughs> yeah. and is fond of telling stories about all the uh, things that Luther had been involved with. But anyway, Hilda says that she took Belgium for Napoleon and that led to her being... Uh, involved in Waterloo. Yeah, she said to, on the other side. Yeah, to pay that back, she had to yeah. uh, to fight in that little little known battle of uh, Waterloo. Yeah. Hilda, how does it feel when you've won the war? Unfortunately, Sabrina has to give things back by hand to make everything right again, and that's when Hilda says, "Well, she had to do that uh, by fighting in the Battle of Waterloo." Sabrina returns to the slicery to give Mrs. Papowski money to give to the pinball machine man, which is alluding to the fact that it is her and she runs everything. Yes. Either that or the pinball machine man just comes and empties the machine while she does everything else and gets yeah. no money for it. She's only been in two episodes, very briefly, but yeah, we get a good character out of yeah, her. Yeah, she's one of those, she's one of those um, like minor characters that really maximises their minutes, as we say. Yeah, so very, very good. Back home and Hilda conjures up Cupid again for five ninety five. Uh, however, instead of uh, talking his balls like he did last time, he's crying on the couch and it turns out he was just jilted at the altar by his fiance. She ran off with a policeman. She can never resist a man in clothes. <laughs> very funny. One of the very best, funny. One of the best no in the uniform, but the fact, yeah, fully dressed. Because I guess he, well, he was dressed a bit more. He's still in his diaper and he's got his bow and arrow kit, but he's got a little bow tie as well. Yeah, yeah. it was formal occasion. Yeah, that's what he says. Yeah. Why are you wearing a bow tie? It's a formal wedding. Tears it off and throws it to the ground. But but my question here, Phil, is Cupid gets left at the altar. 
What fucking hope do we have? Yeah, love is dead, guys. That's quite a common thing, though, isn't it? That like, um, it's it's a common thing in rom coms, isn't it? You're like the wedding panel, but you know, well, she she can't find she can't find her own husband. You know that that sort yeah. of thing. Uh, Always yeah. the bridesmaid, never the bride. Yeah, people yeah. who people who are experts in love, their own love lives are a mess. It's mm-hmm. quite quite a recurring thing in uh, in popular culture. So, Graham, uh, what you're what you're saying is that um, our our love lives are. Are just a mess because we're experts in love. Well, we are experts in love, and our love lives are a mess. So yeah, yeah, yeah it goes. <laughs> yeah, it just goes to show. There you go, Phil. Your your love life's not a mess. You're not an expert in love. No, no. don't you, know shit about you it. You know fuck all. <laughs> These two, we've got fucking PhDs in love. You barely got a fucking level three. You're like yeah. Salem. Salem called himself Doctor Love, didn't yeah. he? That's <laughs> what you guys are. Yeah, no. So he's uh, yeah. So there's no hope for love really because. Uh, you know, he's just crying, says he's built at the altar, and he declares that he's retiring from the love business because oh. love is dead. Upstairs, and Sabrina is still trying to make things right with Roland. Uh, she gets her algebra book uh, back. However, when she won't return Valerie's dress, he suggests that she just sew a duplicate. Do your aunts have a sewing room? And Salem says, it's in the dungeon next to the bomb shelter. Bomb shelter? Yeah. Wow. Well, you've got to be prepared, I guess. Yeah. Now, now, what type of bomb shelter? Standard bomb shelter, World War Two bomb shelter, nuclear, nuclear. bomb shelter, mm. or or is the bomb shelter not actually a bomb shelter, but somewhere to shelter Hilda's bombs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that that makes that that's makes most, um, that's a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. So, and we see a bit of the interior of yep. the dungeon. Nay, a corner of it, but still, we get to see a bit of the dungeon's interior uh, because there is a massive spinning wheel in there, like a giant fairy tale sized one. Back downstairs, or would it be upstairs? Well, because we're, we go in we're the going room from, next. Yeah, but, if we're going from the basement, the dungeon, to the living room, we're, yeah, upstairs. we're going okay, upstairs. So, so yeah. back. On yeah. the ground floor. Yeah, back on the ground floor. Back upstairs. <laughs> uh, Valerie's on the phone, so Zelda goes to find Sabrina. And just in time, too, because Roland conjures up a poisonous needle which Sabrina almost touches. Now, I like this moment. This is one of, you know, at the start I said there's little bits of that that, that in, in the background. Yeah, this yeah a bit is of like, teasing. Yeah, teasing. very teasing little bits. And it was, when I saw the spinning wheel, uh, my mind went instantly to Rumpelstiltskin and Sabs made a reference to uh, Roland going, you're not, your real name's not Rumpelstiltskin. Little nod to Rumpelstiltskin in the story about the spinning of the yarn into, uh, yarn, into straw into gold. Yeah. Uh, and then the deals that were made with the troll, which is brilliant, loved it. Sort of an equaliser sort of scenario there. Yeah. But then we also get a little bit of a flash forward or a memory or what, what a dream yeah. a dream thank you yeah. a dream <laughs> uh, a dream of this sleeping beauty and again another like fairy tale aspect there uh, little nods that's what I liked about yeah, this Yeah, and because Hilda said Roland were you just about to do a uh, sleeping beauty spell you know they're illegal ever since sleeping beauty so sleeping beauty was real same, same universe. universe yes yeah it was 100% real um, as is Rumpelstiltskin, I guess, as well, maybe. 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 Yeah. We don't know for certain, but equal likelihood, if Sleeping Beauty is real. Yeah. But yeah. again, it, what was good, because um, I looked at you when they said about Rumpelstiltskin and Sleeping Beauty, Chris, because you seemed to be a bit like, because oh, you thought, I guess, did you think it was going to go down a Rumpelstiltskin storyline, well, Sleeping Beauty storyline? it's one of those. I didn't know which way it was going to go. Uh, if it did go down a Rumpelstiltskin storyline, then I, 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 I wouldn't have any qualms. Yeah, I, I liked how it was a predictable story. joke, but then the story didn't then go there. Yeah, that was good. They, that, little nod. Yeah. yeah, they couldn't have done two fairy tale episodes in a row. No, it would no. not have. Uh, would not would not have worked. But no. uh, yeah, two good little nods, and it, it's good to know that yeah, putting someone you know in a deep sleep for a hundred years or so by touching a poisonous needle is an illegal act in the uh, in the other realm. Yeah. Or in the real world as well. In the real world as well. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. well in any world, it's illegal. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Roland says that he still isn't over Sabrina, and he storms off, I guess, to try and do something vengeful, which we will see later on. In the school cafeteria, and Ken, the fucking goof, is acting out some Shakespeare, and Valerie seems to just dig it. Yeah. I, You know, Valerie... Lovely girl, you know. Look, got... oh, we didn't comment on her hair. She had a, she had a new do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's got a cute um, little bob. I... I... I think uh, the closest reference we could get is uh, Rachel from Friends. Yeah, yeah and sure. very, very much the time when when the Rachel was a, uh, yeah. a fashion mm-hmm. uh, fashion statement. So yeah, obviously couldn't get the uh, the shampoo and conditioner situation right. So just thought, 
gonna cut fucking it. cut it <laughs> off. Fucking cut it off. <laughs> Evidently. Yeah. Um, so yeah, v- Valerie, lovely girl. Um, you know, has some serious hang-ups and sort of uh, insecurities, and we hope she overcomes them because she she is she is a good person. Um, but you're tasting men. State of that, Valerie. Yeah. First Drew Carey, and now this dude. Like, I mean, at the end, he's fucking. He got the role as Romeo in Romeo and Juliet. Yes, and he's, and I'm say this, prancing around the cafeteria, reciting the odd line mm-hmm. from not not in order, no, just, just the odd line. Not even in fucking pentameter either. He's yeah. just saying it. He doesn't understand. Yeah, well, he doesn't understand life. We've seen already. He thinks it's appropriate just to, you know, just to hustle up a uh, a mannequin. Um, we see his his outfit later on in the in the school dances. Yeah. Disgusting. Now he's he's wearing a fucking feathered hat. Yes, yeah. he looks like a twat. That's exactly what he is. He yeah. is a twat. And there there is, I mean, there always is that sort of kid in school, isn't there? Who um, has to be that guy who's always yeah, especially especially comes out in sort of like school plays and things doesn't it that there mm. is somebody who sort of just has to be constantly in that prancing mood pr- prance, yeah, yeah. Pr- prancing stage school kid sort of uh, mode and that's never the kid you have a crush on no oh, but it, it's also not the character Ken is meant to be after uh, first seeing him fucking being all handsy on a mannequin yeah what sort of character is Ken supposed to be then Chris <laughs> I don't I, he's meant to be a fucking love interest not yeah. a handsy yeah. mannequin rubber uh <laughs> Or a prancing feather-capped twat. He's meant to be a love interest for Valerie. I guess he's supposed to be sort of... Is he supposed to be sort of someone who can do everything? Like... I think so. He's, he's I mean, good, he's good at pinball. Well, not with that smooth area, he's not. <laughs> no, he's, he's good at good at pinball. He's supposedly, you he's know, a pinball whiz. He's a pinball wizard. He's a, you know, he's you know, he's supposedly good at drama and all of this. So I guess. I guess that's supposed to the fact that he is sort of so confident and sort of you know um, uh, dashing is supposed to be what attracts Valerie to him, but he's not. He's just a knob. Yeah, it, it's nice that this that Valerie has found someone who brings out uh, the fun side of her. That she yeah. says like she's oh I'm finally being funny. She seems a bit more com- she seems confident when she's yeah. with him. But yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's the right bloke for or any or anybody. Yeah, no. yeah, he's not the right bloke for you, love. Find someone else. Drew Carey's available. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Valerie is obviously she's very attracted to. I say obviously by the fuck is she attracted to Ken? <laughs> Inexplicably very attracted <laughs> yes, to Ken. That is the correct yeah, term. Val is is uh, yeah inexplicably attracted to our Ken. Uh, she but she's too scared to ask him to the dance. So Sabrina goes to find out if he's interested. She asks him, but he appears. Uh, to be in love with her instead, causing Valerie to run off. Well, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's just clarify here. Sabrina went over there with the intention of testing the water for Valerie. Yes, yeah. Yeah? And Ken, the knob jockey, misconstrued that and was like, yeah, I'll go to the dance with you, Sabrina. Yeah, well, he went, Sabrina, thou hast stolen my heart. Um, To be honest, it's underselling Ken to say... He's a dickhead. Because it's more than that. It's that he's just so... I don't think he's... I don't think he is a human. Because, (laughs) like, she literally goes over to him and asks him about the dance. We don't know if they've ever spoken before. And he's straight away, like, infatuated with her. Yeah. It's really, really odd. Maybe... No, I don't. I can't. What? What was even the question? Was it? Was it? So, are you going to the dance or something? Um, I don't know if it was. Do you have anybody to go to the dance with? So he then interpreted it as Sabrina asking him. Yeah, I would love to. Thou hast stolen my heart. Yeah. Um, which causes Valerie to run up, upset. Um, so Sabrina naturally chases after her, and then uh, a roll in the troll pops up because, well, just because, uh, even in his goofery. Uh, the uh, the saying the words you have stolen my heart. Roland sort of trying to be cheeky and get his own back says, you know, you stole a mortal's heart. I'm gonna steal yours and uses his magic and uh, her sort of heart goes into his bag. Sabrina didn't use magic in any way, shape, or form to an air quote here steal a mortal's heart. Hildewood. Hildewood. Hilda probably has to then <laughs> yes. feast on it later in a big ritual ceremony. But what we later learn is what Roland's done is illegal and he shouldn't have done it. So Yeah, 
yeah, but, yeah. But at the end of the day, it's just it it bugged me a little. Yeah, yeah. As, as I say, like he's, he's not supposed to have done it. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah, he's been picking. Like, if Brian Cranston was there, he'd straight away be like, uh, <laughs> "That's not right." After yeah. he got his legs out, yeah, that, yeah, that's illegal. Look at my legs. See you later. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Good night. <laughs> but yeah, it, just, it was just that moment of, "Hang on, she hasn't used magic." Yeah, but like I said, he's he's tried to find his own loophole in a way and done it just to benefit himself, which we do find out is is illegal again. Also, means he's genuinely spying on Sabrina. Yes. Like, yeah, watching, watching her. Yeah. Also, with how um, we know that the witches regard rules and everything, and being that, as I say, he's in breach of them, might lose his job. He may lose his yeah. job. And yeah. dental, man. And his, oh. de- and his oh, dental. Oh, Jesus. Shit. Just got those teeth fixed. It's all going to go to wreck and ruin now. Do you reckon it'll get equalised? He loses his job, so in return they just pull all his teeth out. <laughs> <laughs> we gave you these, we're taking them back. <laughs> Well, that yeah, definitely. If it was you, if it was uh, magical dentistry, then yeah, yeah definitely pull them all out. <laughs> Shit. So, uh, so he appears and he walks off, and Sabrina uh, sort of follows him. Goes, "I'm coming, my love," or whatever, and runs off. And then Mister Craft pokes his head in because he's he's guess spies a bit of incest there because he knows Roland to be Sabrina's cousin and she's yeah. chasing after him because she loves him. As if he didn't think the Spellman family was fucked up as it was. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of incestry going on here. Yeah. Uh, Roland takes Sabrina to his new pad, which is a cottage under a bridge, making him the troll in the three Billy Goats gruff tale. Again, love the little nod because the goats cross the bridge, three Billy Goats gruff, he's the troll, brilliant. But then there's another nod in the cottage which is, um, there's a picture of Roland's old girlfriend. Oh, yeah, his ex, yeah. Uh, Thumbelina. Rumpelstiltskin, Sleeping Beauty, Three Billy Goats, Gruff, Thumbelina. Yeah. What more could you want? I do like as well with the Billy Goats, Gruff, is that, again, they sort of gave a nod to it and mixed a uh, sort of modern um, reality into it. He said, oh, you'll get used to it. It's like living next to an airport. Yeah. So, again, yeah. the noise of them constantly trundling over, you'll get used to it. Well, isn't explained, though. Isn't he supposed to stop the goats crossing? Isn't he supposed to? Maybe they've reached an agreement. Has he admitted defeat already by this point? Yeah, or, or or perhaps it hasn't happened yet because he's not frustrated with the goats crossing yet. Right, mm. okay. That makes sense. So he says you'll get used to it, maybe he actually doesn't get used to it. He's like, I'm sick of you fucking goats when I'm yeah. trying to get to sleep. You coming home from the pub, stepping <laughs> across my bridge. And, uh, get to After pub. drinking your mead. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he hasn't got frustrated with them yet. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's how we got. Yeah, he's not reached it. boiling point yet. Yeah, you know he will. He, will he let is loose. a hothead after all. Yeah. Yes, he is. Yeah, he will let loose soon. Uh, back at the Spellman house, and Hilda is still trying to convince Cupid to find her a date, but it isn't working. She then says that building the Panama Canal was easier, and Cupid seems to find that joke hilarious, so much so that he has risen out of his depressive hole and has fallen in love with Hilda. The Panama Canal. I am right in, a, in understanding that is the largest canal system that stretches across Central America. Yeah. Yeah. Panama, funnily enough. Uh, did Hilda build it solo? It, I don't know whether that's just an observational joke or experience. She says building a Panama Canal was easier, although... You did get malaria. You did get malaria. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it was just because it was known that the Panama Canal took a long time to construct and a lot of people died doing it, or whether she was part of it. It's not clear. She used magic to heal herself from malaria. Maybe. Or she used magic to repel the malarian mosquitoes. And give it to other people. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, she put a malaria spell on all those workers. She didn't She didn't build it. She was just there making sure plenty of people died. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll accept that. That makes more sense. Yeah, and then she opened Mike's Cadaver Shack. Yeah. Yay! Hey. Things go from bad to worse when Mr. Kraft comes round to speak to Hilda and Zelda about Sabrina getting weird with Roland. However, things get weird between him and Cupid as they scrap over Hilda's affections. Mrs. Kraft says something like, um, at least at least I don't have the decency to come round just wearing a diaper or something. Yeah, yeah but again, Mr. Kraft coming round to the Spellman household to inform uh, Sabrina's guardians that there was some weird goings-on with Sabrina and her cousin. Yeah. It's called a phone, mate. <laughs> but I think... I think Mr. Kraft thinks he's in the point where he's he's a family friend, I guess. Because of the Hilda thing, he wants an excuse to see Hilda. I think, yeah. that, I think that's the main reason he's always coming around in person. Also, second time, uh, Mr. Kraft has um, squabbled with 
another man over Hilda's affections. Except last time it was actually Hilda. <laughs> yes, it was actually Hilda. But this time, no, he's fighting with Cuban. And then they have kind of like a Mexican standoff kind of yeah. thing. They're about to have an arm wrestle, aren't they? So they start having an arm wrestle and Hilda and Zelda sort of come up with a plan that they're going to go to the, uh, the other realm and find uh, Sabrina and Roland. Um, so they suspect Sabrina was in the other realm, so they break up Cupid and Willard's arm wrestle and decide to track her down. However, does Mr. Kraft assume that they're going for a threesome? Well, that was my understanding of the scenario, because it was like, you go, you come, and the three of them then went upstairs. And yeah. he kind of went, but why does he stay and, oh man, and then leaves? That, I think it's the, oh man. It's yeah. the definite implication yeah. that he realised. It's obviously not specified, it's probably a bit of, you know... Bit blue for the mum's dad, sort of thing. Um, yeah, definitely that's what's implied. Under the bridge, and Roland is living the dream, having Sabrina wait on him hand and foot. Hilda, Zelda, and Cupid arrive to rescue Sabrina, but she won't leave, and Roland won't give her back her heart. Zelda takes one of Cupid's arrows and throws it at Roland, who obviously falls in love with the freak magnet that is Hilda. And then he starts sort of freaking out a little bit doesn't he because he doesn't know if whether to love Hilda or Sabrina Hilda or Sabrina it's like that moment where you put a uh, a dog in, in a room with its two owners and yeah. they both start calling over to it it's like come here boy come here I do like how um, sort of Cupid steps up a bit because he's like listen ladies I know what's going on here I'm in the love biz he yeah. says he's, he's, his um, fondness for the love biz has been rekindled by this uh, romantic dilemma he's like yeah. this is my thing this is what I was put on this earth to do is yeah. solve situations and like only this only I can sort it yeah. out so of course you know it gives a bit of an ego boost which is nice because you know we don't want love to completely die for Ken maybe but no for, for the rest <laughs> of us we want it to be very much alive <laughs> unlike Ken we want it to be very much dead so Roland then agrees to return Sabrina's heart on one condition that he gets to dance a bit with Sabrina. And then we get to the dance, which will get awkward very, very quickly. But until then, luckily, the uh, the dance is all going well, even for us watching. And Cupid is even wearing clothes and he gets commented that he doesn't look bad, but he's still wearing his diaper. He's got his shirt tucked into his diaper. <laughs> yeah. Still visible. Because he says, like, he says, I know clothes are comfortable, but fashion means something to him, he says. And that's fair enough. Yeah. So I guess he... Do you reckon where he's from, the, the the neck of the woods that he's from, the diaper is considered a luxury item, a very fashionable item well, of clothing? it's something which marks him out as Cupid, as Cupid, as a as a as a love professional, as a man who holds a very influential and important position in magical society. So it's a status symbol. Yeah, what it yeah. is. It's a status symbol saying I'm a cherub. Yeah. yeah. Do do you reckon other people in the love biz? wear that or it's just Cupid just well, wears a diaper well obviously everyone knows that Aphrodite also wore a diaper mm-hmm uh, yeah it's the it's, I reckon it's the uniform yeah yeah the uniform of everyone or just uniform of him sorry Un- uniform, the, uniform of the uniform of love <laughs> yeah yeah that's nice that's real nice <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is going on I was trying to remember where I was <laughs> <laughs> so you thought you'd creep us out in the meantime it was a bit of filler while I looked back at my notes to find out what sentence I was on <laughs> oh that's nice that's <laughs> describe it to me again but slowly that's nice that's real nice <laughs> it was the sentiment that I was, I was getting off of uh, right, I found where I am anyway. Uh, <laughs> Sabrina goes to see Val at the punch table, and she's not mad. She's just gutted Ken doesn't fancy her. Speaking of, that fucking gobshite walks in wearing a hat and tails. Because he just fucking has to, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, what a... He just, he, he, he just can't not just arrive dressed normally. He has to wear a top hat and, and a suit. And Cupid says... He's, he's really, well, we learn out that Ken is just shy, just like um, our Val. He's just a bit shy, and he makes up for it in his bravado, but... Mate, there's bravado, and then there's turning up to a fucking high school dance in a top hat and tails. Yeah. yeah. You just don't... Fu- he was wearing a fucking white scarf as well. Where does he think he's going? The opera with Batman's parents. <laughs> That's exactly where he's going. <laughs> Thank fuck, he might get shot in the alley as well. <laughs> yeah, he might have done. But I mean, it's just like um, I don't know if you had this guy, uh, Chris. Me and Greg definitely did. At our um, our high school prom, um, th- there was one guy who was wearing a hat. 
Yeah, somebody always go as like I say, you can you can relate to there being a um a figure like him in your school because there were people who took things too far and always had to be sort of like the extrovert or centre of attention. But yeah, they, they were never they were never the guy. There were people who were yeah very insecure and very unhappy inside. As yeah. as, as Cupid says, they, they were never. I don't know there's anything wrong with being insecure and unhappy inside, but oh no no, compensating for it in that way is in is, such in such a ludicrous yeah is, is, way. isn't healthy and isn't pleasant for the people around you and yeah. Yeah. Also, I just said the word exaggerant, which isn't a word, but I'm coining the phrase. <laughs> uh, so Sabs asks Cupid if he can shoot an arrow into Ken, but he's not got his bow. However, instead, he has a pea shooter and some love peas. <laughs> peas no. and love. Peas and love to everybody. Fucking love peas, man. Peas and love. Peas and love. <laughs> but it turns out that he doesn't need them because uh, Ken is just shy and insane and madly in love with Valerie anyway, so he doesn't need to waste peas. Uh, hang on a tick. Cupid can see this. He can. So that literally means that Cupid could look at two people and go, mm-hmm, you don't need my help, you're already going to be in love. So true love doesn't need his um, involvement, nope. which Not means so, no. that he only exists as a hired gun to make people who don't love each other fall in love at a price. He's not the most morally... You know, well, the, it's the love biz. It's yeah, quite it's, brutal. The, lo- the love biz is a, is a bit shady. Yeah, yeah but it's, it's it's one of those where you know he's got a, a range of different arrows. He's now got love peas as well. Each does something different. So he could full well, uh, fully knowing, shoot someone with an arrow that has a, a relationship timer of five years. Mm-hmm. So after that five years, they might fall out of love, split up, whatever. Fucking. Ruined, I five years with someone that you've deeply, madly loved because some guy shot you with a fucking arrow, and it turns out to be a whole lot of shit. Mm. Fucking dire! That is horrible. What Cupid <laughs> does is horrendous. Yeah, he might make us laugh with his, his diaper and his his, his his frizzy hair and you know his little quips, but he ruins lives. He, he ruins, ruins lives. lives. Ruins lives. I like to think that you know, kind of like a mafia might have. You know, that he's got a lot of weaponry. He's got his bow. He's Peas, a love bazooka, maybe. When the fuck would you use a love bazooka? <laughs> oh, hey, oh, uh, never mind, Woodstock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just maybe, maybe that was it, yeah. Yeah, love grenades. <laughs> Just throw them out into a crowd, make an orgy happen. They thought they wanted to ban the bomb, they were actually under the influence of a love bomb. Yeah. <clears throat> wow, it's great when you when we tell you the facts of life, you know, it really makes you think about things differently, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um lost where I am nice that's nice <laughs> Hilda asks Cupid for one more favour to give Zelda some fun so he fires a couple of peas into Mr. Craft and Zelda two birds with one stone he says Zelda's happy and that goob is no longer fishing in my creek he says oh. which Hilda quite right ra- and we said Cupid's not the greatest of guys case in point there yeah um, yeah Hilda uh, um, admonishes him for um, saying a very yeah, creepy. That's thing. gross for saying that, and gross for what you've just done. Yeah, but yeah, it's true though. Get get um, get Mister Craft off Hilda's back so Hilda can sort of focus her attention on poor insecure Cupid. And yeah, Zelda gets gets to have a little bit of fun, even if it is under a poor infatuation spell. Like I said, fucking Cupid ruins lives because Hilda, uh, Zelda, Hilda, Willard Craft, everyone, everyone in that room will remember. That Willard and Zelda had a touching, intimate dance. I think Zelda's going to wake up the next morning and be thoroughly pissed off. I agree. <laughs> yeah, she's going to be livid. Roland apologises to Sabrina for stealing her heart. So he equalises things for her by making Harvey appear at the dance. I can't believe I thought I had to go to a father-son termite convention, he says. My dad said there's, there's no such thing. Even if there was... I bet he wouldn't invite that son, would he? No, he wouldn't. And also, after he said there was no such thing, he probably called him a prick and hit him. Yes! <laughs> yeah. But but Harvey turns out uh, to the dance with what can only be described as the biggest blue collar you've ever seen. The nice. 80s had the shoulder pads. The 90s had the collars, man. Yeah, very good. Was there something in the noughties that was big? Um, Pricks. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone then awkwardly slow dances, including Roland, who is reunited with his ex-girlfriend, 
Thumbelina. Nice little touch. It was a nice little touch. And um, yeah, Sabrina and Harvey dancing romantically because we're led to believe that they're romantically entwined. That was nice. Even Roland and Thumbelina because they were lovers once and have been reunited for hopefully more than just this evening. It's interesting because Roland starts off the episode as being sort of the creep. Wanting Sabrina and, you know, stealing, literally stealing her heart illegally mm-hmm. and all these things. But, you know, he turns out to be quite a good guy. You know, he sees the error of his ways, he apologises, he ends up with, you know, someone who does actually seemingly love him as much as he loves her. And that's great. Whereas Cupid, he starts off, he's been left at the altar, he's, you know, fallen out of love with love. You feel bad for him. But then by the end, he's being a real weirdo. Yeah. So the roles kind of reverse. You know what I reckon, guys? I reckon... Whoever the director was, whoever it was who directed this episode, genuinely gave the direction to the actors, you need to out-creep this creep. Yes. (laughs) And it just built from there. Roland comes steamrolling in and going, he's the biggest creep. Then it goes, no, Cupid, you need to out-creep the creep. Willard, you need to out-creep the creep. Ken, you're just creepy Ken, you're on fire. You do what you do, baby. (laughs) Ken's creep level is consistent throughout. Yeah. Yes. Nobody ever ever quite ascends to his creep level. Yeah. Uh, but everyone else <laughs> used each other to climb up the creep yeah. ladder. Yeah. 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 Everyone's creepiness sort of bounced off each other. Ken, he was in another fucking level, wasn't yeah. he? But yeah, they have this awkward dance which goes on for a little bit too long. Again, more consistency. So did uh, Valerie and Drew Carey's dance. That went on for a bit too long. Well, the actual sort of slow couples dance doesn't go on that long. And obviously seeing Sabrina and Harvey dancing together is is nice because they've not had an intimate moment for a while. But the, the weird bit afterwards, which is like the end of a pantomime when they get <laughs> yeah. married, when everybody like goes down like the, the row in pairs, it's yeah. just strange. Yeah. And there's some, some bizarre, like, some like country come, like, country dance music. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Country pop? Pop country? I, yeah, I don't know. Something strange is going on with yeah. the music and with that whole scene. It's uh... Uh, And then you've got people coming down the line. you got... Everyone comes down with someone different except Willard and Cupid. They come down twice together, both times, like, having a bit of a fight. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, uh, to paint the picture, while the credits are rolling, yeah, it's kind of like a wedding day, promenade, pantomime ending. Yeah. And everyone, yeah, is, is paired up. Uh, but they, they don't come down in the right pairs, though. No, they, they're all mixed up to spice things up, I guess. And... Yeah, but that's very often how the end of pantomimes are. Yeah. Like, yeah, the only thing they don't do is bow to the audience at the end. Like... Yeah, it was a bit weird because it wasn't really needed. Relevant. Like, it yeah, did I would have. It would have been nice to see something, you know, to the side of the the disco or after the disco. Like, you know, did you have a good night and make a joke about Cupid or you know whatever yeah. or, or Zelda to make a quip about Mr. Craft but he kind of served no purpose usually the NC is a bit of a summing up everything goes back to normal bar one thing and that's like the closing gag but there is no closing gag here you yeah. know what I reckon the closing gag should have been it should have been Roland and Thumbelina going back to Roland's humble abode underneath the bridge and uh, Thumbelina turning to him and going uh, have you not sorted out those goats yet yeah. yeah. See, simple. Thought of, thought of that. Yeah. Comes in, 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 comes in and goes. Yeah. Right. If I'm moving back in, some changes are going to be made. You need to go and sort those goats out. Yep. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Nailed it. Nailed it. And we've got the Billy Goat Scruff story. Yeah. We're yeah. all sorted. Not That's only, how it should have ended. Not only do we comment on this, we we, we make it better. We, we do. Yeah. Excellent. In we, our own minds. We take an entire episode that they had written and add one extra scene to it. And automatically think we've done better. We're geniuses. <laughs> and that is the end of episode 17. The Equalizer. <laughs> That's the end of episode 17. That's nice. That's real nice. Good for the life of me thinking what it was called. I, I kept forgetting Ken's name near the end. So that, that, that creepy guy. <laughs> oh, man. So that, yeah, this, that was a bit too hard to handle some of the times, particularly with Ken, but... Uh, uh, yeah, interesting. Again, um, a, a nice uh, Valentine's Day episode. Again, not as nice as, as our last one, because obviously last uh, season's Valentine's episode was First Kiss, and that was really good, and we um, particularly sort of praised the, well, that, the feels at the end. That, that's the one where we got Peril, isn't it? Yeah, there was a lot yeah. of Peril in that one. Yeah, I like that. Peril. Yeah. And, uh, Romance the, and Peril, hand in hand. <laughs> and we had the really touching scene at the end with uh, Zelda and Salem, so it had... For another Valentine's Day episode, it had a lot 
it had a lot to beat, I guess. There's some big Valentine's shoes to fill, but I think it did a, a pretty good job. Graeme, would you agree? Uh, yeah, um, it had um, not as much tenderness and heart and feels as the previous episode, which is one of the most moving moments in the history of, of television. So um, it had a lot to live up to. Perhaps it didn't quite live up to those heights. However, it had wonderful, as um, as Chris was pointed out earlier, you know, like sort of subtle sort of in- infusions of, of uh, fairy tale elements uh, without it dominating the episode, which really wouldn't have worked having just come off the back of a fairy tale themed episode. Um, it, yeah, reintroduced some uh, some you know fun um, guest characters and. Um, we caught up with them in a way that felt true to who they were originally and how the characters reacted to them when they first showed up. So it felt like a lot of consistency, which can be hard to achieve in a show which A, has changed showrunners in season one, and B, just the amount of different writers that work on one show in American television. Um, even though there are showrunners trying to bring it all together, if it's a different person, mm-hmm. that could still not work. So it tied everything together well, and as I said from the kickoff, it makes the fantasy elements it makes the two realms together yes as in probably the best ways I've seen so far it really was a show uh, sorry really was an episode that drew on the fact that this show has been going for a long time and these characters even ones we've only seen once or twice are established Mm -hmm. it felt like a really good ensemble cast episode yeah I I agree I think I think now they're at the point where okay guys each time we're introducing a character they have to be a character. We yeah. don't want them just to be. Oh, this person will rock up once or twice. We've only, you know we've only seen Cupid once before, but then uh, we established him as a character. Now we fleshed him out. And, uh, yeah. You know, well, even things like the I forgot the name, but the Mrs. Le- Papowski. Yeah, Mrs. Papowski. Yes. You know, it felt like it felt like a universe in this episode, mm-hmm. which was possibly for the first time, and that was really good to see. So love was certainly in the air in Sabrina's world, but is love in the air in Chris's mind? So Chris, what do you score this episode? Episode seventeen. The Equalizer. I would say thoroughly enjoyable, so I'm going to give it 6.5 billy goats until Roland kicks them off the bridge. Okay, 6.5... Oh, half a goat. Gross. What ends <laughs> that? <laughs> well, no, no, it gets, they get halfway across and then he kicks them off. Oh, okay, right. so it's yeah. just six, six goats. So six more goats past the bridge that the seventh gets halfway and then has to go back. Okay, so it's not like six goats and then half of Ongren... <laughs> Dragging itself along well, the bridge. But when Roland's done with them, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. afterwards, mate. But that's what I'm saying. Okay. 6.5 Billy Goats gruff before Roland kicks off. Okay, 6.5 Goats. Graham? I'd go with 7. 7 Goats. Not just because I don't want to see a, uh, <laughs> a disemboweled Goat, um, but because I thought it was a really, really strong episode for the reasons that I've just highlighted. Yeah, and I don't need to go into those details, but I certainly agree with Graham on this one. So I think 7 Goats, mainly for the fact that I don't want to see half Goats anywhere. <laughs> uh, so episode 18. Would you like to know what it's called, boys? Go on. Yep. It's an interesting one. It's called The Band Episode. As in band, as in forbidden, or band, as in rock, or, or brass. You or, tell me. Or, or, or swing, or jazz. A musical band. Yeah, I don't know. You tell me. What do you think the band? The band ep- episode. The band episode. Graham. I... The band episode. Sabrina and Harvey and Valerie decide to start a band. Maybe Sabrina does a spell to give them musical abilities. I, yeah, something like that. Okay. And I'm going with it's a DVD extra and it's uh, Beth Broderick's porn video. <laughs> okay. Um, no, well, you're both wrong. The band episode. <laughs> I'm not surprised I'm wrong. Uh, the band episode is actually 22 minutes of just Salem's arse <laughs> on the screen. No, I'm just joshing with you. No, the band episode a magical bottle of talent turns Sabrina, Harvey, and Val into a supergroup. Well, their success comes at a price. Of course it does, but... Yeah, see, mm. see? Yeah, right, right. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the guys sort of rock out. Do you reckon they'll actually sing and play to their own music? No. Um, <laughs> well, we saw the vocal talents of Melissa Joan Hart um, in uh, in the Pleasure Dome episode, obviously. We did, yeah. Um, third album from The Sun. Um, and Harvey's got an album out. Well, Nate's got an yeah, album Yeah, Nate, Nate, Nate is a good singer and a terrific dancer as we know yeah. so and I'm not sure of Lindsay Sloan's um, vocal talents or or any other uh, instrument um, so uh, yeah I'll be interested to see the sort of music they make together okay. maybe they'll be influenced by the likes of 10,000 Maniacs and Violent Femmes oh god imagine them as together as a supergroup the, the Violent Maniacs yes fuck me uh, so that's our next episode, episode 18. But uh, as for this one, thank you very much from me, Fielding, for joining us for that one. I'd like to thank uh, my colleague to the right, Mr. Chris Evans. Thank you, Chris. 
Thank you, Philip, and goodbye, my lovers. And thank you very much to my friend to the left, Mr. Graham Riley. Mwah. Nice. That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs>